0: Iowa Everywhere. Sage Rosenfels. Brent Bloom. Heard and, Heard and viewed exclusively across the world. world only. only on Iowa, Iowa Everywhere. Everywhere. Welcome to Iowa everywhere. This is Sage Rosenfels from the Rosenbloom podcast. Mister Rosenbloom, Mister Rosenbloom, Mister Brent Bloom, on the other side. Are you? You are in your home. I am today. Yes. To me in the background. I am in uh, another random place during where are you travels. T- Where are you today, Sage? Because this is Iowa everywhere. And I'm one of those people that, yes, I'm from Iowa, but I seem to do travel everywhere. Today, I'm in San Francisco. Of course you are. On my last day before traveling home, here for a sort of family reunion, 70th birthday party for my aunt. Uh, My brother's a teacher here. So random Rosenfels took over the city this weekend. Including my son came up from Los Angeles, uh, which is great. Um, And uh, yeah, had a nice time, ready to get back to the Midwest. A little different there than here but we'll get into some san francisco things we have some things to talk about today uh, a little bit of a list we've got a, a viral tweet yeah you to talk about today y-
1: you uh you exploded the internet last week
0: did they i think they say the, the kids say he broke the internet
1: broke the internet yes yeah,
0: you were yeah. calling you're
1: calling out your old teammate brett farb for stealing money
0: did i I don't know. I just said I'm just. I didn't say this. I didn't say anything. I just said I hadn't stolen any money from the poorest people in my state. Let, let's which let's to be the poorest state in the country. Let's get
1: into it because you've had a couple of these viral moments since since you retired from from the NFL and you've you've turned okay. yourself. You are an influencer now. Just people people realize this. We're honored to have you on the Iowa Everywhere podcast. So this, but this is which I'm adding it to the stream right now. But I will read it for our podcast listeners as well. You tweeted, uh, literally last week, about this time, that since retirement, I have been lucky to
0: avoid stealing millions of dollars from the poorest people in my state. I, I, well, I, that's right. I feel fortunate that I didn't put myself in position because either I ran out of money and I ran out of ways to make money, and so like that was the what I had to do to like just survive. Right. So I'm lucky enough that at least from an investment standpoint or spending standpoint, I'm not in that position. OK, but you, fu- or you, fu- enough, you or I'm just lucky enough not to be like super, super greedy. So how does this? So this has struck me about. So this is in reference to Brett
1: Favre, who got into it with a complicated scenario with the governor of Mississippi that they took money from what like a welfare fund and I again I don't want to get into the politics of this thing because clearly what Brett Favre did was kind of kind of gross um, and then wanted to use some of the funding to build a volleyball practice facility am I understanding this right doesn't Brett Favre have enough money that he could build Southern Miss a volleyball facility on his own or has he really been that reckless with spending
0: that, that no, he I don't think so. I mean, That's... he wasn't a big spender. He had a nice ranch down there, but land's pretty cheap. How, but how does it? Is it just
1: 100? a power thing? Is it an ego thing that hey, I can get this done, and I'm going to steal from this
0: fund? Because he had to know what he was doing. I don't. I don't know. It okay. might be us um, either a sort of super cheap thing, or he's just super cheap. And doesn't because here here's the story. He promised to Southern Miss that he would he would build this facility, some of his own funds, raising other funds. But he made a pledge that that uh, you know four or five million dollars, right? I think five million dollars. And but they rather than just ponying it up, like I went to Iowa State. Okay, if I made 140 million dollars, and I also could make a million dollars doing these ads, and millions of dollars doing these ads, and he's made he's still a still doing of them, it, yeah. right? So, like, backup quarterbacks, one we make about one tenth or one fifteenth of the of the starters a lot of times, but you really get none of the like extra money, the right? Endorsement the endorsement money, stuff. You know yep. what I mean? So there's so there's there are so many ways for him to make more money in this world. He Tony Romo was making 17 million. Brett Favre could have made. 10 or 15 million if he was good at TV games yeah. or, or be involved in, in, in the sport. So I don't know if it's just cheap that he just didn't want to spend it himself. But for me, I went to Iowa state, if I would have made $140 million and my daughter was going to play volleyball at Iowa state and I want, and they had a really crappy old volleyball court or whatever it was. And I want to be a part of this thing to, for so 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 she could you know now I have great experience but maybe get better recruits in because there's going to be this great this volleyball complex they're going to play at um this is going to have the would have maybe the far name on it the rosenthal's name right and uh i think it'd be pretty easy just to like write the check at least a major part of the check you know and then go find other people to say hey let's do this thing right right i mean um, use his influence in so many ways go ask i don't, I don't see why farf couldn't go out and ask a whole bunch of boosters to pony but, up for this that, i know that's southern was, miss, it's not yeah they know, don't Iowa state is i think probably a very wealthy uh university compared to like southern miss absolutely i i understand that but he had the money but there are people that had the money and he has so much influence you think his his convincing of people really wouldn't be that hard but instead he went the government route
1: yeah, it's just a busy-
0: government route. And <laughs> Bizarre. went to various government officials and people with sway in that world. And really, really, it sounds like consistently went after them uh, with, with with phone calls and conversations or in-person conversations of trying to get them to take money, give money. I think his point is where the he didn't know where the where the money was coming from. Supposedly. Yeah, that's his point. But he also said, well, the media know where we got this money from. Um, So you'd think that he knows and that people had explained to him that. uh, And I think even the governor told him, uh, I think this is breaking federal law. (laughs) And he also traded with the football stadium. Right. It's just bizarre. I don't know how how the world works down in Mississippi. I hear it works different down there. I hear it works different down the South. And they're really proud of that. But that feels like this is a happens in all the states. This sort of self-dealing by the richest of the rich from the poorest of the poor in one way or another. In one way or another um because they're also the ones who decide who the politicians are many times and so this all this sort of power and influence uh just seemed like it's turned to this major self-dealing at its grossest you know and it's of course it's a it's a famous person who you're like why would you ever do that <laughs> I, I, so would, this I thing goes imagine trying to pressure like the governor of iowa into like hey like I said I was going to build this thing. Can you help me out from the Iowa uh, you know welfare? Yeah, the, the fund? the teachers fund you, I, all, all of it. yeah. I mean anything, taking funds from anything, even taking funds from like the public recs department, you know what I mean that's could not, no like this is uh, uh, my project and I would you know get, get the five million or what I just I just can't fathom. I just can't fathom it.
1: So you, uh, follow, you followed that tweet up with another a, a, a follow that was brilliant. You said, of course, this is partially because I had already stolen millions from the richest people in the country. <laughs> That'll beat the owner. So what is it
0: like? So you, this one. Well, so th- you oh, know, what's that like? So one, yeah. I stole that from someone. Because someone. <laughs> paid paid a ticket? you went all the, the initial comments of like the thousands of comments or whatever on the first one, I was realizing a couple of people said, you stole millions of dollars from the NFL, you know, like you sucked as a quarterback, you get these things. And it's sort of, those then sometimes become jokes too. Like when you, it's a response to one response. responses. So absolutely sort of give it to you. Then they get to use it for yourself or whatever. That, you that's know? that's but part of the game. I, I thought I put together pretty well of, cause I did steal from the billionaires, which is, which is more, more fun, I guess, you know, not yes. quite as, uh, not quite as greedy, you know, taken from those, those men, um so anyway
1: so that thing had like over a hundred thousand likes what's it you've you've had a couple of these now hit where do yeah. w- you turn your phone off i'm sure you're getting texts from people you know like hey sage good job on twitter i uh, mean what's what yeah. what's that situation um, like
0: no it, it wasn't i mean I, I don't know maybe i got a half dozen random texts or people on will just send me things some like a dm or whatever but I don't really respond to you but i got it i got a tmz uh text from a tmz live or something <laughs> i not going to do that peter king <laughs> not, called you right not, it's not where i'm trying to take this thing and some feud between like the backup quarterback the brett Favre, and <laughs> Brett Fox, Go for it, you know, man! In the state of Mississippi, go yeah, for it. Go for it. I got yeah. nothing else to do. Yeah. Like, well,
1: what are you gonna do? You're, just, you're at 70th birthday parties in San Francisco. Like, get a feud going with Favre. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is this is what the world wants to see. I so think,
0: I, <laughs> I think, mm. I'd like your chances there. So, uh, I got a message from Peter King, which is interesting. And this probably of the of all the things for me, at least, because then everyone's talking like a, a national, someone you respect. Uh, wants to talk to you about it and Peter um, when I retired from the NFL he and I met for coffee in New York and I had only met him met him through maybe a couple times where he'd had a couple great games and he had called me that's sort of what he does calls the the story of the day or whatever and uh, he and I had coffee because I was like what am I going to do after football it was actually in New York I was visiting that same aunt and we started talking about various things. And he asked me these questions. Of the course, was asking about Favre. Um, I said, you know, I told him some stories. And, and there was this one story uh, about that NFC championship game where Favre sat next to me after he threw the interception. And he said, I joked. And that told him he was the greatest football player I'd ever seen. <laughs> and Peter goes, oh, man, that's a great story. And I said, well, I, I wrote something after that game because I couldn't sleep for like three days. And my mom's like, just start writing. Get it out. You got to get it out of your mind from spinning. So I wrote this you know, thing. I don't know how many words it was, 10,000 words, or, or now nah, probably 5,000 words or something. Um, and I don't know, it took me a couple of months. My brother, who's a teacher, helped me edit it like a little more professional and organize it. Sent it to him, ended up writing in Sports Illustrated. Remember that that was my first ever uh, a piece about Brett Favre, the football player and Brett Favre, the man in the locker room, you know, uh, his humor, his ability to get along with everybody and, and be jovial. And so he
1: was a good guy. I mean, I know you, you got after him on Twitter last week, but you seem to appreciate Brett Favre.
0: Yeah, I mean, playing with him. And that's what, so, so Peter and I talked about this. People like people were telling him, like, you knew this guy. Did you think this guy would, would do that? And Peter goes, I didn't know Brett. I don't know Brett Favre. I mean, I interviewed him a hundred times. Mm-hmm. But we talk, we're talking about football. We're talking about uh, games and plays and, and you know. Um, but as, as who he really was, I don't know. Right. That's how we all sort of are in that sort of world. In some ways, you sort of become who you are after you leave football, to be honest with you. Sure. Um, In my opinion, because that's where that's where you sort of settle in and find yourself. You know, football is like this crazy, you know, crazy circus going on for until it's over. Right. So you sort of become who you are after football. And but he did tell a great story uh, to me when we were talking on the phone about Brett They had a a special needs worker at the Packers. He worked in the uh, equipment room or or something, and he had a birthday party. And Brett went for three hours, and you know, no no coaches, players showed up, though people were invited. But he went and talked for people for two or three hours, et cetera, et cetera. Hmm. And I said that doesn't surprise me at all. That doesn't surprise me at all. And said everyone liked him in that locker room he didn't make you know practice squad guy walk up to him and say hey could i get an autograph or you know hate to do this and he, he signed everybody's stuff and um so i i you know that's why i would i wouldn't have written the article if i didn't believe that sure like there was guys i played with who were probably going to be hall of famers there's there a guy or two i played with that's in the hall of fame now i'm like uh eh. He was an asshole. <laughs> like he was do you
1: asshole. want to name names,
0: Sage? Or no, I no, don't. Do you no. want to end up on Twitter some more? I'm sure I was an asshole. I mean, yeah. it's an intense situation. Absolutely. You know, you don't like everybody. And uh, so, you know, you do your best out there. But um, he he was not that. There were interesting, weird things, uh, uh, oddities, but very inclusive. Like, I, quarterbacking is this, in my opinion, is this, like, inclusive inclusive is like magnetic you're bringing people in and some people have this like inclusiveness sort of about them of hmm. bringing people in and then making them like the best version of themselves all right you're not going to make people the best version of themselves if you're this like cold you know sort right. of guy with no like magnetic behavior but, so, it, but it has to be real and authentic and for Favre, you know mid, sort of midwesterner slash southerner there's it's a very friendly midwestern it's not east coast and west coast it's uh, very down home down earth and he grew up with that and um so but this whole thing is just bizarre to me so this way it, like it doesn't fit but in some ways it sort of does because it is sort of like a in small little towns in america like this is sometimes i guess this, this is how stuff politics stuff work. gets done right this is how stuff gets done this is how you know handshake deals as they say at like the smallest places. It's not just like New York City or, or Las Vegas or these handshake, but, you know, this is sort of how America works. I had someone to explain that to me one time. Um, driving out to Nebraska, out to this, uh, I was repainting my house, and I was like looking for a different color, and my buddy's like, drives me out to this this lake out in uh, half an hour from, from where I live. We're driving around looking for all these houses that have like various, some blues in them sort of like a a Connecticut sort of style, you know, blue home, I guess, wherever on the water. And we're on this, we're in the middle of nowhere. We're on this brand new road for like five miles. And he's, he's like, do you know how the world works in, 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 uh, there's something we're talking about uh, politics or something. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, he's like, do you think that there's like, A really good reason this the the county built this beautiful new road out to 20 homes out here on this small lake it's because people out there paid the right people to make sure this road needs to be brand new that's how it works like that's how the world sort of works and and at least in the united states from visit we all sort of either don't realize it or or don't want to think about it right but uh you know Whoever gets those government contracts in in all the various ways, the biggest corporation in America, right? Um, who gets to seem to have an unlimited budget and where it all goes? And and this was going to as a federal federal dollars going to states for their poverty, federal dollars. So so really all this is all of us, all of our money going to various states, and Mississippi having the. 20% of the population in poverty, in Mississippi, the poorest of the poor, and one of the lowest education, health, you know, um, all the uh, quality of life. It's a very, very hard place to to grow up. And so federally, we we send dollars to Mississippi, and that's where this money came from because there's not good oversight between. Federal dollars down to the states. You expect the states to do the right things with them, and this is how this is what, this happened. Is what can happen. Yeah, seventy-seven million dollars. By the way, is the total investigation? It sounds like seventy-seven million dollars, including. Did you know this one? Ted DiBiase, the million-dollar man.
1: <laughs> the million-dollar
0: man it was a blast. The million-dollar man is a pastor. Or a preacher, I'm not sure. In uh, in Mississippi, he is not the million dollar. Well, he is the million dollar man. He's just doing it a different way. But I believe his son received a whole bunch of funds um, to give like motivational speeches. All right. All right, hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars. Far, by the way, also received 1.1 million dollars to give speeches. I guess he never never gave, or maybe he gave yes. one of the speeches. And he ended up giving the money back. Again, like 1.1 million. Why does Brett Favre have to get paid? I made 140 million dollars. I've always wondered back about. Back in Iowa, that. Yeah. want want me to give some speeches? I'll give them for free. Give them for free to get people to give money or whatever it might be. Why do you got to get paid to do the right thing in your state? I give you know free speeches all the time. For me, it, one of the best things about it is it's like therapy to get in front of people and talk about you know things I, I, that I witnessed in, in my football career. So the whole thing is is super bizarre as we as we continue to go. But yeah, but the, the million dollar man. Uh, anyway, he, he gave the, the I'm sorry, he gave the the one point. Uh, he got the one point one million. Gave the money back, and then they're suing him because he wouldn't give. They want the interest too. They're like, listen, you had $1.1 million for a couple years. So now we need you want the interest and he won't pay the interest back. I, I believe I read that. And so, uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you think about it?
1: I might I just keep coming back to why. Why does it need to get mixed up with that in the first place? If you made the pledge, then pay the pay the pledge. Right. Like I worked in. I work for the Iowa State Foundation. Like that's part of it. Like if you're going to make the commitment, then pay your commitment. I don't think I don't know why you had to get the government involved, and uh, how did he not think this was going to come up in some regard? Like it, you yeah. just it just seemed like it was a, a dumb idea, and maybe he thought he could get away with it, and so that's why he did it. So I don't know. It just the whole thing was just odd to me. For and then why would they, if you're the governor, I would just tell Brett. I mean what. what what leverage does Brett Favre have on the governor of Mississippi anymore? I mean, it's not like Brett Favre's going to get him elected. I don't know. It's just that I, I I'd rather complain about officials than 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 talk about <laughs> Brett Favre's misuse of public funding.
0: Well, we would. So other no. other corruption.
1: It's the corruption I want to talk about. Sage oh. Rosenfeld is the corruption. About- is there corruption in officiating?
0: I don't think so. I don't there think so. Like there is like one of those untold, <laughs> untold, uh, was the ESPN or, or Netflix. Yeah. Right the Tim there. Donahue one. That was actually yeah. well done. I'm sure you saw it. I did. Those are all well done because they just talk about sports in a deeper way, uh, of events that we all heard about and, you know. A little sports center clip sometimes, yeah. you know, or, if you, or a season or something. So, so those, those did, are great, by the way.
1: I did want to ask you about officiating in general and what it's like as a player, but anything else on Sage Rosenfeld's mind before we dig into uh, the sports scene? I know you're in San Francisco, you're in Philly. By the way, George, how great is George Niang?
0: Man, I made a video for that. I have no uh, technology skills. I end up just going to the photo booth. And videotape on in our interview, and uh, it didn't work. Surprisingly, for an hour, photo booth didn't record didn't that. Didn't record that uh, one. Yeah. So, but I got the audio decently. He had like a his air conditioner unit wasn't working very well. It seemed like it was just running the whole time. It was yeah, it was still sort of warm in there. Uh, he he lives in a sweet place. Um, George is doing great. What a great guy! I feel like every time I hang out with him. Um, uh i don't know there's just some similarities there when i first started talking to him i was like listen if you can just make it fine get get good at a couple of skills get good at shooting you already got sort of the multi thing but man really really dial in and you, you'll get to like year four year five and all of a sudden you're like a veteran and you know you're and you don't even have to like work that hard because hmm. you just you know what what's going to happen next your body is in a more comfortable and i think he's that's where he's getting to In his career you know so the question is how long does that go for and how long can he play for and um you know but he's got this sort of all-around game man what a fun player to watch aj uh so i'm uh in philadelphia aj feely who i played with also he lives there he came out for some drinks one night and i said yeah did a podcast with george yang uh today and et cetera et cetera and and he was like oh man i love his game he's like He's like the guy at the YMCA, you know. He's never going to shake that, but it's true. You know, and yeah. It's true. And I said, yeah, he has um, He has gr- since college, he's had great 50-year-old man game. And it really is. It's this 50-year-old, which is sort of like what my game would be of like just sort of slow moving. Little this, little that. Can handle the ball. Good passer. You know, not selfish. A little jump hook inside. Can sort of body up bigger men. He really does have this multidimensional dimensional uh, uh, like the Swiss Army Knife. I mean, if you want to give him a better nickname, it'd be like the Swiss Army Knife or yeah. or something like that.
1: Well, and so there's two things that I think this is, I, w- I want to get your opinion on this. One, he's a great shooter. And is he, if he's going to shoot over 40%, somebody will have space for George because that's what you need to do at that at that league anymore, especially if you're a role player. But two, everybody loves the guy. And so there's value, right? I've never been in a football locker room. I've seen it from the media side, but guys that can get along with everybody to your point earlier about Favre got along with pretty much everybody. And it's probably the reason why he stuck around for so long is he got everybody to play well. People love playing with George and yeah. he's a fun guy. He's not gonna hurt you in the media. He's not gonna be a nuisance. He's not gonna be Kyrie Irving, you know, making a bunch of news off the scene, even though he's not the most talented guy, he's a net win in the locker room, which it always surprises me how much that matters. At the professional level, but also in college, like if your team doesn't get along, I've been around some Iowa State teams that don't get along. Yeah. And it can really sour on the playing field
0: as well. I think basketball more than any other sport. The personality of the human being comes out as like the player. I do. I think um, I had a conversation with a politician about this one time. JD Shulton, you know, he ran for yeah up uh, in northwest Iowa. Iowa, and uh, he and I played basketball together. And I didn't even really need to have like a conversation with him to know like I liked his basketball style. He was he was unselfish, smart. He could pass. He could shoot the three. He could be inside. Just sort of a multi. It's like he and I were very similar type players on two parts two sides of the state you know he's six four probably he's tall guy um so we had that sort of you know uh Mm -hmm. all the skills nothing not great not a great Mm -hmm. athlete right but but the unselfishness when you're playing with guys or when they call it straight or uh just their fundamentals are really good which means they have like a a detail for like respecting the rules you know what i mean of basketball and, and stuff and and anyway, basketball is a sport that you can sort of uh, tell what, what you know, sort of type of person is, you know, sometimes. And I think George is like unself- unselfishness is, means that he doesn't have the ego. He, he's humble. Like there's various things. He does He does a little of everything. You know, he'll do the duty work. He's paying attention. So sometimes other guys maybe aren't. Like he's just uh, very aware Uh, of of what's going on. And and he's also super likable. He just really is a likable guy. And he talked about his education. Like he got a scholarship to a private school and he learned how to talk to adults. Mm -hmm. He learned how to be an adult and and how that really probably has an effect on his overall success. And just think about that, right? Uh, If he wouldn't have had that opportunity, he wouldn't be at maybe as likable or, um, as, tr- as trustworthy, uh, and I should said the word trustworthy, dependable, I guess. Is For sure. Re- is right. Cause as, as an athlete, you want to be dependable, uh, to your teammates. And when you have to sort of become an adult, when you're a freshman in high school, like he did at this, at this private school boarding school, um, that that must be just game changing from a maturity standpoint, uh for an for an athlete like that so that's interesting so when you were younger you some of the guys that were
1: lower on the coaching totem pole are now nfl head coaches yeah, and I think it. I think this this speaks to to this conversation. You, uh, just knowing you, Sage, you, you treat everybody about the same. I mean, you you will talk to anybody clearly, and often for hours at a time, as the audience realizes that you can just you can just keep talking. You're I'm the Bill. You're the Bill. Walton, you're the Bill Walton of a uh, veteran NFL quarterbacks, which I think is perfect. If, if you can get but, Bill Walton on here, that be uh, great I'm, idea, I'm working but, on it. Yeah. But when. When you treat people that way, but like so I want reference to the NFL now. Mike McDaniel's now the head coach of the Dolphins. You knew him when he was what with the the Redskins? Or or I mean tell me tell the background there and I know you're not surprised that he's having success with the Dolphins because you can you he treated people the right way and people seem to like the guy even though he wasn't an NFL player.
0: Correct. He um, two thousand six uh, the, the Texans were the worst team in the end. For 2005, they were 2-14. Two and 14. 2006, Kubiak gets the job. I'm a free agent. I go to Houston. They offer me the most money. And I'd heard Kubiak was a good coach. And so, How, how much money? <laughs> really want to know <laughs> I, I can, I'll look
1: it up on profootballreference.com if you really want me to. A
0: $2 million signing bonus. Okay. So the first time I That's ever nice. got paid, I, The first time I got paid in the M's. Yeah. But it was a four-year contract. Looking back, I probably should have signed like a three-year deal or something. Yeah. But, Either way, I, I, I took it. I was it was like from Miami to Houston. It was like, here we go, you know, changing in my swimming trunks for my cowboy boots. You know, <laughs> right. of, I'd never really spent any time in Houston um, before. And so we get there. Uh, uh, Troy Calhoun, who's the Air Force uh, head coach ever since then, ever since 2006 or 2007, he got that job <laughs> um, and hired, by the way. Matt McGettigan, who was Iowa State's longtime time uh, sure. strength and conditioning coach. Still there. Based off of my recommendation, because I had talked about him in a meeting one time. Mm-hmm. That, that, that literally happened, I believe. I believe. So uh, um, so we get there. He's the offensive coordinator. And he is just the basically whatever Kubiak tells him to do, he'll do it exactly the way Gary Kubiak tells him what to do. Because really, Gary's the offensive coordinator in, in play caller and all those things. Kyle Shanahan is the uh, receivers coach. Uh, Mike Sherman, the old Packers head coach, was our offensive line coach, assistant head coach. Uh, uh, John Benton was also really the O-line coach. And he has been sort of Kyle's uh, O-line coach ever since. Uh, and most of the stops Kyle's been to. Um, and uh, yeah, so, so Kyle moved from there to quarterback's coach the next year to coordinator my third year there. To then you know another coordinator uh you know goes with his dad to washington to washington quality control wise on that staff robert sala defensive quality control head coach of the jets now um mike mcdaniel who had uh was a ball boy with the denver broncos into playing at yale uh to you know now a quality control you know lowest coach in in the totem pole doing really a lot of computer work, all hmm. right? And he was very good at computers. He had more computer skills than most quality control guys, you know? Um, and uh, a year or maybe two years later, uh, maybe it was, I was 08, uh, Matt LaFleur was another quality control guy, also went to Washington and, and followed Kyle around. <clears throat> His brother, Mike LaFleur, who hopped on this train at some point ago as the offensive coordinator with the Jets under Robert Sala, right? I mean, this this sort of web is just continuing to grow and grow and grow. Uh, but Mike McDaniel was, um, yeah, he was on that staff. And he was, he was really likable. Um, he didn't fit the, of course, prototypical. He doesn't
1: look like coach. a coach, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, for forever football coaching has been very masculine, very like, You know, intimidating Bill Parcells, like the Lions' coach Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell, yeah, great speaker. Yeah, but really, Dan Campbell's way more positive than what those guys used to be. True, the the old days, you know, like sort of miserable men, just grumpy and pissed off. (laughs) You guys suck, and they're just going out there with like literally like thin plastic helmets, just beating the crap out of each other, day in and day out in the mud. In the mud and you know but that's it was a different it was a different time and era back then wasn't it Uh, people have built a little differently but um uh mcdaniel and really kyle because Kyle's sort of scrawny himself i don't know he's probably six one six one or six two sure but like i don't know probably played college football at 165 pounds at at texas maybe he probably got to 180 or something he's pretty skinny i mean mcdaniel is is small too, but what it, what it became was these guys sort of mastered the art of, um, designing play actions and bootlegs hmm. based off of like that outside zone <coughs> scheme. And they just got so good at it. In 2007, we, when we called a bootleg, we averaged 11 yards in it, uh, uh, every time we called the play. If we had completed it, we averaged 19.5 or something like that. Just astronomical. Right. So why wouldn't you do that all the time? Why wouldn't you do that all the time? And some sort of run or outside zone a lot of times. (coughs) Excuse me. But then the play actions had crazy numbers, too. And because the play actions they designed, and this sort of went back to the Mike Shanahan style, the play actions were designed just like the runs. I know that sounds crazy, but that's you wouldn't believe how often teams are like, Yeah, we're gonna do this play action, but we have no run that's complementary to it. It's just sort of play action that looks like is a protection. But these these coaches really like, no, we're gonna we're gonna our first three or four steps in the run it will be a running play that we just won't go downfield, but we will move double teams and force the defense hmm. to play all the gaps. So if they don't play the gaps, if they don't step up and fill those gaps, right? We're just going to run the ball on them then, uh, because they're going to be late, and so uh, causing really misdirection of the uh, the uh, the defense to have to move one way, and then the offense comes back another way, and the whole time they're not rushing the passer, which is really what all they want to do. And so, hmm. while they're successful, and <clears throat> excuse me, still is. Uh, all, all it still is and now, now two is you know having great success in this in this type of system would you say
1: we're, we're three weeks into the nfl give me your top five nfl teams because i've seen some power rankings the dolphins are in there clearly they haven't lost yet the, are the eagles legit are you in on jalen hurts like what i don't know I don't, I don't know if i can completely buy them the packers have now responded it was an ugly win but they they beat tampa and, and brady where do you where do you go I mean I the Vikings are two and one I don't think they're for real necessarily but they're two and one I, I don't know I think the NFL maybe I'm just getting old it just seems like it is as even as it has ever been like I week to week like the Colts beat the Chiefs and and I know the Chiefs made some mistakes in that game but I would never have, have thought that's yeah. a possibility so all that said Sage who
0: who do you think's any good well, I do think Miami's good, not great. I do think Buffalo is sort of the best team. I just think they didn't play well uh, uh, on Sunday. Um, I think the Chiefs will be in there. I think Tampa is is, is going to be one of the best teams because of their defense. You're right. Because of their defense. I think their defense is, is phenomenal. Their offense, I don't know. Um, the Rams, the The Eagles. Rams, the Eagles. The Eagles. So I think the Eagles are the best team in football. Really? I do. We could go in this whole discussion about why. And it, in my opinion, it's because of two things. And number one, they've got a starting quarterback who is a dual threat, who is a running back body. Like a, he's a big, strong running back body, and he's a sure. good runner. But he is developing, and he's, he's an accurate passer, uh, and he's developing into a better and better quarterback as time goes on. And he's also, uh, because I think of his, a lot of his, some of his training, he doesn't take a ton of chances. So he doesn't make a lot of, you know, he's not just out there gunslinging. He's a little, sometimes he's a little conservative and guy will be open and, and he'll, he won't pull the trigger because he's a little right. unsure about it. Um, and, but he does so many things well. And he's hard hard he's very hard for a defense uh to 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 go against. Is he the best quarterback in the league? No. But what he is the best quarterback in the league at is having a low salary cap. And mm-hmm. a small salary cap number hmm. has allowed them to go out and get Darius Slade Junior. Has allowed them to go out and get AJ Brown. Brown yeah. And they have, you know, and, and, and
1: the line's really good, it looks like to me
0: very good lines very well coached listen football at the end of the day it's the game of the lines it really is and they are very well coached up front their defensive line it feels like has just been good forever um really going back to like the hugh douglas days of the early 2000s there you go yeah they've had they've had some really really good defensive lines and so uh, and that's that's no different. Offensive line with with uh, Kelsey, they're very very well. Uh, uh, they have good athletes, uh, and they have really good fundamentals up there. You know, I, I like the running back. He runs hard. A couple of running backs that are pretty yep, good. Sanders. And has been This so you have this like elevated roster. That's really the thing. There's a lot of teams. You pay your quarterback forty five million. Don't even think about that. <laughs> I mean, Jalen yeah. Hurts is making like I don't know one point six million. Is his cap number or something like that? So. You just have literally $43 million more than another team that's paying $45 million a year uh, to get go out and get other players. And you have then t- t- truly uh, an elevated roster. And you usually can't do it forever because at some point, Jalen Hurts is going to want $45 million a year. Yep. And then it sort of becomes that question of how much do you pay him and what's the – but your team's not going to be as good. And this is what happens every time it happens so at, the
1: ravens uh, are fighting right now aren't they with jackson yeah. is like they I mean, he, he, he deserves to be paid but if they do that then they're, they're going to lose some of their valuable assets on on the
0: other side that's right i mean that's that's what they're weighing uh every team is weighing and and mixed with you know replacement cost like hey what, it's it's a business we right. know to do that uh who what are the oper- What what's the possibilities out there do we draft somebody and start over but I wrote an article about shoot nine years ago, eight years ago for a website. And it was when Kaepernick and uh, 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 Russell Wilson were having success as like rookie second year players. And and it was like, what if GMs decide to go with this business model? We're just never going to pay somebody, excuse me. We're never going to pay somebody, uh, you know, 35 million or 45 million or whatever. We're just going to let them go and, and or even trade them away and get a couple first round draft picks and then keep building that roster with cheap draft picks and uh, uh and cheap quarterbacks we got to start over a quarterback and of course you got to find the right one
1: yeah i think it's interesting right now just looking at the odds so the you, to your point the bills are the favorite still they're four to one uh the chiefs are second at seven and a half to one then the eagles are third at, at eight to one with yeah, green okay. bay at four at nine to one so yeah, I mean, I guess Vegas agrees with with the eyes of Sage Rosenfeld. So, so, so <laughs> well, kudos we'll, to you.
0: We'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I watched almost no football this weekend. Uh, Iowa State or the NFL. That's that's the way it goes. I did see San Francisco though. Rough. <laughs> I mean, and what do you, what do they do? I mean, do you put do you put Purdy
1: in? I mean, Garoppolo is. Uh, I mean, he's got to be just mind effed at this point with what they've been kind of toying around with him for a year and a half. But they can't. I mean, Lance is hurt now. But I don't think Purdy's ready. I mean that that's a great roster that is really limited right now by the
0: quarterback. Purdy might be almost the better option. What they want is a quarterback that can uh, threaten the defense. Sure. And <laughs> excuse me, with his legs, and Purdy can do that better than Garoppolo. I mean, they went out got Trey Lance because they they are, you know, that's why Jalen hurts. The,
1: Jalen hurts. Yep, it's Jalen hurts. Model. Right.
0: So. There, there is a model where it's a, a you know if you're, they're a running quarterback but they're they be, they can become a more and more accurate passer with time and get better at it and i think a lot of these quarterbacks have and you know i mean lamar jackson can now throw it much better than he used to throw it, like as a rookie uh but they were you, you have to, they they love having that threat with the legs and and obviously garoppolo doesn't have that threat at all he's got quick feet but he can't run. And Purdy can run a little bit, as we bit. As Iowa Staters know. So um, I don't think he's the better option, though. I think Brock has a lot to learn. And Jimmy's on a whole another level, probably, of experience to, for game-playing-wise. I think if Brock Purdy had to go in for 49ers, they couldn't do a lot of things that Kyle Shanahan wanted to do. But I bet you Kyle would uh, put him in position to be successful. I do know that. And, uh, you know, Brock played pretty dang well in the preseason and, which is pretty exciting for a young guy uh, and a pretty complex offense. And so um, that would be that would be something else. And, and this rookie year, Mr. Irrelevant goes out there. It would just well, sort right. of add to the, the lore and the legend of Brock Purdy.
1: And they still, to, to my point that it's a great roster still, they still have the eighth best odds to win the Super Bowl. So, I mean, there's still belief in the Niners if they can figure out the quarterback. I almost think with what they have and ha- as loaded as they are, I mean, you almost have to make a trade. I mean, if if is going to be this bad, I think you you have to look at at trying to do something else. Anyway, uh, so so I want one thing I want to get. We're, we're running out of time here, and I know you got to get on the road officiating. So I don't want to get in the particulars of what happened in the Iowa State game, and I know you said you've been you didn't watch all the s- specifics, but there were three what I would say atrocious calls, all in the first half that all went against Iowa State. That yes, yeah, accent- so the calls that I saw were. It was
0: Anthony Johnson. Yes, the, on the coach. cut block. From what I know, from what I know, that's exactly – if I was teaching it as a defensive backs coach, I would literally teach what he did. Right. Exactly that way. It's to, So there's this phrase called outset, outside arm and leg free. you got to keep her outside arm and leg free, and that's yep. because you're the last guy before the sidelines, and so you have to – Make sure that ball cuts back to the pursuit, your teammates that are coming. So, forcing the ball to cut back so then somebody else can get him. But if you don't, if you go inside and he bounces outside, there's no one there and then he outruns everybody, right? And that's the problem. So, when you have like a pulling guard or a tackle, uh, an outside linebacker or a safety, they are, or a corner, they are taught to run through that outside hip. Exactly yep. what he did, what he not did. his knee, no. you know, right through the hip to really his midsection, and 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 caused that runner and and really went through the offensive lineman. And he made the and tackle. It, it was a hell of a and, play, and 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 it was a heck of a play. And they called it like he cut the the offensive lineman or something like that. And it's it's such it's that was a terrible call. There was a a shallow crossing route. Yes, right? Colby, Reader. Crossing route Colby Reader that Kobe Reader just sort of knocked the guy down as he was like four yards, right? Or something yeah, like and that. And there's
1: not real even real that. Rule. That's not even a rule in college. Like, and, and you've got a legal contact in the NFL that doesn't exist in college. I mean, I, but so how, everybody saw it. I think they missed him, clearly. The targeting is another conversation. Uh, Haslin Williams had a good conversation about it on Monday. I mean, they got to figure out a difference. I mean, you can't have all or nothing on this thing, in my opinion. I agree with that. But as a player, is it disheartening when you get stops like that, or, and you, or even as a quarterback, you know, hey, that guy interfered with my guy. That should continue. And now I'm here. I'm pissed. The crowd's pissed. Everybody's pissed. Does that, does, does, what do you think? What are you thinking as a player at that
0: point? I mean, I think what you're taught and you're trained to is you just move on. Just move on. Yeah. Yeah. I can't move on. Fans don't move on. (laughs) You know, uh, the coaches, (laughs) they don't move on because it's sort of their responsibility. Players, you can't do anything about it. So it's move on and and let someone else handle it. There's a lot of football of like, that's not your responsibility. Your job is to just get ready for that. Do your job. Yeah. Do your job. Next play, next play, next play. The coaches will handle it. You know, that. The head, so it's really the head coach's job to do anything about it. Really, nobody else uh, can. And uh, um, but this shot, some not you know, it must be hard to be an official. I've never been an <laughs> official. It must be hard. Um, I couldn't imagine uh, having to make like these, you know, calls on split second. Oh, position. right, it's hard. And I, what I, the reason, and by the way, the what I don't like about the targeting rule is that. There's these split-second decisions that are made that we're watching in slow, 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 slow slow motion. And um, to me, to throw somebody out of a football game on, like, the first attempt that's not, like, egregious – Right. I mean, there are it's it's it, it's people are trying to stop each other. They're going to you lead with your head. Everybody does. You know, he runs behind his shoulder pads means he puts his head down. down right. It's
1: a nice way to put it.
0: <laughs> uh, so to say that, like, is, um, you know, you can call a penalty. You can call it a 15 yard penalty uh, or, you know, I think you just have various types. And the throwout type has to be either like the second one of the game uh, and or something that's so sort of almost gross that like we don't need you that gotta in, go in, right in football you know not these bang bang plays where a safety's coming up or someone's coming over and and they're, they're just trying to go down to meet them at their level but the runner has his head of course they're going to be going for they're going to lower too, right? right so wh- wh- where are you so you supposed to just let him go is that what you're supposed to do let him get the extra two yards on the fall forward right but it's it's a game of inches and every inch matters and so you're trying to stop them and get them down as as quickly as possible and 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 when they're leading with their head it's it's hard not to get down there and even use a shoulder pad or a a forearm to and sometimes it's their head and and they can throw a
1: flag on that now too it's not just your head anymore it's any forcible contact it's crazy i would not want to be an official at that level i mean i I encourage everybody to go if you can get on the sideline or even the first couple of rows for a game these are large individuals moving very very fast and it's such a violent game like you don't I mean you know it's age but you don't appreciate how violent it is until it's right next to you and like you're on the sideline you're legitimately scared like please don't run towards my my area because you can get serious damage done
0: I have sometimes uh, weird thoughts about when I. Every, Everyone's just agreeing. I sometimes have weird thoughts. I yeah, think that's yeah. Sage Rosenfeld. But I have, weird, I have weird thoughts about when they show the, um, or weird memories, I should say, of when they show like the behind the, the the quarterback, the camera that's right behind the quarterback. Yeah. I remember hanging the ball off to first, it was Darren Davis, right? And yep. then this Haywood, and then yep. these NFL deals. And you sort of turn back around to like do your little play action, but then you sort of look at the line. And just the noise, the noise, yeah, of all of car it. crashes, it, it, but 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 the noise of of, of the physical uh, um, violence that's going on, but the, to hear people, to hear people with uh, uh, just the the, the every, all these noises that are made when people are smashing into each other. Like there's, there's verbal noises going on too. Yeah. There aren't words. They're just strains, yeah, grunts, of, just, sound, just grunts and sounds of strain and pain. Oh man, man. But I turn around and look at like a running back, go through the hole and just boom, 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 get knocked down. I was like, Oh God, <laughs> <laughs> let me stand back here and throw it's the not, ball. <laughs> yeah. So, so speaking of that, can I, can I say this? Yes. One thing I have with the, the Trey Lance injury since you know we're back yeah. to four years. the Trey Lance injury. I hate it, and I respect Kyle Shanahan as a coach, but I hate it when they do that sort of fake the jet sweep or whatever it is, outside run, and then the quarterback has some sort of like something going on back. Not not when they zone read it and run around, and it's like them or the corner, or they can see a linebacker chasing them, and they can sort of slide down and whatever protect themselves. But that one where they run up right up the middle, and I just. I always feel like that's a great way to get your quarterback hurt. Hmm. I understand it works and it's really hard on defense, but it's a great way. Run your quarterback up the middle uh, of a football field, I think, is an extremely dangerous, unless he has a special, I mean, I I wouldn't run Lamar Jackson on those types of plays. I would just, you, you find ways that are a little bit more protective, uh, you know, if you're in high school and you have a couple quarterbacks and this is what you guys do and your quarterback's a great runner and, you, you know, that it's a it's a different game. But in the pro game, I think you run your quarterback up the middle like that. Just asking for trouble. You're asking for it. Yeah. Quarterback draws are different. You're on the yeah. five-yard line and they're playing zone, zone coverage. Out. And you go back and you have everyone run quick outs and they all sort of spread and it's, it's you or, uh, you know, a safety and you have a chance to get in. I think that's a totally different game. Hmm. Uh, style of ran than these sort of jet suits where people are going sideways and you're coming back in and you're just going to get sandwiched and 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 quarterbacks aren't designed generally to do that you know if you're six foot three and not as big, running backs are, are different and uh, and those guys don't last very long so I just think it's just really not worth the the reward is not worth the risk interesting and it drives me nuts in college football. And it drives me nuts in, in pro football. I just don't. I just feel like there's there's easier yards to be had out there than risking your your quarterback. Okay. And, and uh, usually teams go downhill when their starter goes out. So
1: say, Sage is in Philly last week. You're in San Francisco now. What's on the the Rosenfells docket for the travel the travel plans?
0: Um, well, I'm not going to Tampa, Florida. Yeah, hurricanes. Uh, the hurricane. Yeah problem. have you have you lived in a hurricane? Uh, when I played for the Dolphins for four years, I think we would have one to two come through, it seemed like, every year. we I have stories of uh, you know, pra- practice, uh, a practice facility with no power, but so they have this, like, Generac generator that's keeping the So you the still whole practice? On, still, you they'd, still... Have a, they'd have gasoline there for you to fill up your car with gasoline to make sure you made it back for practice the next day. No electricity at my house. I'm barbecuing with Kevin Carter, uh, the old <laughs> Florida Gators defensive lineman. Yeah. Uh, uh, we're CBS Sports, and we're barbecuing because your your stove nothing worked on the inside of the house. We're just sitting out by the pool, barbecuing, um, putting up metal shutters on your windows, unscrewing these things from these con- from your walls, which are all concrete, and putting these heavy duty like stainless steel shutters. Does on the team and- help you? or are you on your own with that stuff (laughs) (laughs) i would have no idea what to do yeah yeah they have 53 uh uh shutter teams out there i i'd be calling i'd be calling far far (laughs) help me out yeah but my here's my favorite one my here's my favorite one we play a game in new orleans yes no we're i'm in miami and the team doesn't want to go the team does not want to go to this game because we know when we come back, there's this hurricanes going. On. We don't want to leave our families. And Junior sale goes after practice goes, Coach, as players, we've decided we're not going to go to this preseason game. We're going to stay home with our families, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, OK, OK, this is what's, what's going to happen. And Dave Wanstead's like, all right, guys. And the team president comes out. And and they because everyone's been having these conversations behind the scenes, I think. Yeah. And there's the guys, we... We have been the team president and I think our Dave says we have been promised we'll be able to fly back in either Miami or Fort Lauderdale. All right. Uh, after the game, there's enough time before the hurricane hits. We've been promised they're They're going to have the airport ready for us. OK. Then we all just disperse. And it's like, so what are you doing? <laughs> are you going to go? <laughs> are you going to go? <laughs> no. What'd you do? So about two-thirds of the team shows up. I'm going to go. I'm trying to make this team. Yeah, like I guess you're trying. Not, <laughs> you're not Junior Seau. There were, like, some rookie guys, like, didn't show up. And I was like, what are these guys thinking? You know, it's like. <laughs> See ya. Junior cannot show up right. if nothing right. happens. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I, I mean, I played in this, this preseason game with. I had no tight end. So <laughs> we, we had either four wides or we'd go regular personnel and put an extra tackle at, at tight end and just run the ball and do, like, Play actions with two receivers going out in routes. I mean, it was or wow. that or four wives uh, yeah, You know, it was it was it, that was something. So anyway, it, it, of, of course, we don't fly back into Miami or Fort Lauderdale. We fly back into Tampa because that's the only airport open, which is about a three and a half hour yeah. drive. Where they put us on buses, and I we drove across Alligator Alley in the middle of a, uh, a hurricane. And I'm laying on the floor. I mean, this is the mil it's two o'clock in the morning morning, too, right? right? Or three o'clock in the morning. I'm just laying on the floor in the aisle. People are just passed out everywhere. And you can just feel the bus going back and forth, like just sort of just being pushed, and you just hear the howling winds and yeah. No fun. You made it. You're here. You didn't end up in Alligator Alley and got eaten by a
1: you no know, fun. Rocky
0: the Gator. No, 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 no fun. So, no, I'm in uh, – that's it. I'm, I'm back in Omaha for a couple weeks. Um, I will be down at the Iowa State-Texas game nice. in about three weeks. Are you going see Ricky? Uh, I was thinking about trying to get Ricky on the podcast. Let's we'll get Ricky Williams on the podcast. Yeah, We can do um, – I should be able to I, – I, I like to think I could make that happen, but you never know. You never know with Rick. Uh, so, there's that. ACL, Austin City Limits is going at the same time going to get a little music austin state limits iowa state texas same weekend so that should be fun um red hot chili peppers are playing uh i think on sunday night uh this year so i think that is my next travels might be out in denver to visit my sister really quickly but other than that uh, i'll be in omaha nebraska so um san francisco has been great super surprised of actually how clean the city was the last few times okay I've been here, Felt like it was very dirty. I think they did a lot of work during COVID, a lot of new streets and uh, cleaned the place up. But still, definitely has uh, a lot of homelessness and uh, and sometimes scary homelessness that, that we witnessed on the street. Um, but uh, man, what a beautiful city out here! A little different than Maquoketa, A little Not different the names. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I think I may have saw Jeff Bezos's uh, a yacht yesterday. I think it was seven stories. I'll put it up on. I think I may have I may have put it up on Twitter it was seven story uh yacht it was uh floating underneath the uh golden gate bridge that was sort of a cool thing that happened yesterday so got 25,000 steps in yesterday walked around the whole city got a workout in i could use it so
1: did you know who uh is gonna have a yacht next
0: brett Favre with all that money from the state of mississippi stop stop (laughs) we'll see how we'll see how it comes out right but i do feel i'm humbled (laughs) I feel fortunate, blessed, privileged that I didn't ask the state to take money from federal funds meant for people in poverty in my community. Sage, there's still time. I'm lucky enough that didn't happen to me.
1: <laughs> All right, buddy. Safe travels back to Omaha. I will talk to you next week. All right. Sounds good. Iowa Everywhere.